The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In Christ there is no east or west. In him no south or north. But one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. Upon this Christ the King Sunday, we welcome you to ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this Lord's Day in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service ministry in our midst. And as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, 
the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Through the privilege of the gift of this pulpit for many years, we have joined other Boston voices like that of John Dewey, speaking of a common faith, and that of Howard Thurman, speaking of a common ground to preach, and steadily, a common hope. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Unity, not uniformity, a common hope. May we bow in prayer and as we pray, search, discern, aspire toward such a common hope. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4b through 8. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 132 along with the Anaphon. The Lord swore to David a sure oath, from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. Your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I shall teach them. Their sons also forevermore shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will reside, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless it, bless its provisions. I will satisfy its poor with bread. Its priest I will clothe with salvation, and its faithful will shout for joy. There I will cause a horn to sprout up for David. I have prepared a lamp, lamp for my anointed one. His enemies I will close with disgrace, but on him his crown will gleam. Please rise as you're able for the reading of the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. When was the last time you were interviewed by legal authorities? When were you asked to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Here, John 18, 33, in his last hours, Jesus is so interviewed by Pontius Pilate. Such a strange gospel passage, wherein the one interviewed becomes the questioner, wherein the one accused levies accusation, wherein the one intending to interrogate is himself interrogated, wherein not power but truth has the last word. The Holy Scripture, the strange world of the Bible, is holy because it is healthy and you need its nourishment, its strange teaching, far more than any other watery diet of merely spiritual meditation. Jesus said, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. From June 24, 2018 to August 4, 2018, we had only two days of real rain. From June 24, 2018 to August 4, 2018, we had also had only two days without grandchildren of some number and assortment and age with us. They were not the same two days. On the evening of August 4th, we set out with our dear friends for dinner at a nearby restaurant. An experience of warning soon ensued. Now and then, the gospel itself comes in a word of warning. In 1959, our family moved to the little college town of Hamilton, New York, where we attended seven years of grammar school, where and when grammar was taught in grammar schools. The evening of August 4, 2018, we drove over Hamilton Hill, where once our scout troop had hiked. We passed Andy Magonis' farm, he who in the sixth grade starred with me in a two-voice drama, Brainy and Brawny, about a strong good person and a smart bad person. The better title might have been Brawny and Scrawny. Andy is still farming his family land 50 years later down the road from where my friend Bill lived as a Colgate senior. By the way, if you happen to enter the town from the northwest as we did that night, be sure to slow down after Andy's barn to the legal 30 miles per hour limit even though the road seems a 55-mile-per-hour roadway. Otherwise, you will contribute, unwillingly, ticketed for speeding to the township budget funded in part by this strange particular passage. We moved from Hamilton in 1966, but I've been there through the summers for part of every year since, or I have been there ever since. That night, the twilight gleamed and we were celebrating I noted Andy's farm and with body memory slowed to 30 miles per hour. Our friends who have 11 grandchildren to our mere seven were also for the moment grandchildless on the lake and ready for a nice evening. Coming down Hamilton Hill, I remembered my 40th birthday on the evening of which I had driven down the same hill to hear my old teacher Cornell West hold 1,000 Colgate students, mesmerized as he spoke without notes, but with wise passion for 90 minutes. After the entry to town from this odd angle, there is a crossing onto the main street that involves a tangled intersection with one yield and one stop sign within 20 feet of each other. I navigated the intersection and headed into town when you will recognize in viscera the moment. 
Red lights swirled behind me atop a local police SUV. We pulled over. A portly policeman about my age came to us, and you can write the next lines yourselves. May I see your license and registration, please? Do you know why we are having this conversation? Here, for the younger, I simply note that no one, that one never says anything like yes to that question. Your answer is, I truly have no idea, Ossifer. No, I don't. Well, you went right through the stop sign back there. Again, for the younger, I note, the response here is no response. Are you aware of that? Well, no, actually, I did not recognize that. Well, you did. Now, I assume that he was right, and I came to a rolling but not full stop at the aforementioned intersection. Whether I did or not does not matter. It is his view that matters. A long pause ensued, during which he surveyed the audience, the driver, an aging white guy with a comb over, as my son likes to describe me, and three other Caucasian passengers with white hair. For once, I was delighted to be an aging white guy with a comb over. While the portly policeman pondered his next move, I fleetingly wondered what would have happened if I had been 28 years old, black, with dreadlocks, or alone, female, and 25, or Hispanic, speaking limited English with children in the back seat, or Japanese with a newborn and not fully sure of the ways of our people, like our daughter-in-law, a native of Kyoto, who had flown back to San Diego that afternoon. Yes, this was one good time to be an older white balding and fellow and accompanied by similar Q-tips fore and aft. Well, said the officer, you did slow down coming into town. That was good. But that intersection does have both a yield sign and a stop sign, and you went right through the stop sign. I'm going to give you a warning. Learn from it. Have a nice evening going out to dinner. But remember, you have passengers with you, and we have a town here that we want to keep safe. And with that, he returned my license and registration and shook my hand. I come back to the warning in a minute. As a 12-year-old, I left my hometown of Hamilton in 1966. By 1986, Jan and I were in ministry with a struggling urban regional church in Syracuse, an hour north and west of Hamilton. The church was growing thanks to excellent lay leadership and a willingness to engage the neighborhood with a new daycare center, a renewed nursery school, two new scout troops, a new writer's project, a new senior citizens program, a new dance school, and an added sec second Sunday service. People tolerated the preacher largely because they liked his family. One couple, Pam and Josiah, a 30-year-old African-American couple, joined us perhaps in part because our congregation, like that of Marsh Chapel today, had become solidly racially integrated say 30% people of color with 200 in worship on Sunday. One night we had Pam and Josiah to dinner. They later left our church with some struggle and misgiving because our bishop planted a black congregation in the same part of the city and they felt they had to support him in that. But for some years they helped lead the church, were tithing and faithful in worship, and were good, happy people to have around. She was a partner in a law firm downtown, and he taught at, of all places, Colgate in my hometown in the religion department. Over dinner, we listened to music Jan had chosen and, and which Josiah appreciated. We got better acquainted. At one point, I expostulated on the bucolic joys of Hamilton, where I'd learned to skate and to play hockey, where I fished in the swan pond at Will, where we stole freshman beanies off the heads of newcomers, where I pitched, pitched for the Little League 
and where I became a tenderfoot scout and camped in the woods in February, where Andy McGonis and I became friends, and where we were enthralled by the Colgate-funded fireworks every year on the 4th of July. Pam and Josiah listened graciously. After the lengthy peroration, I asked, Josiah, how do you like teaching at Colgate and being in Hamilton part of each week? I will never forget his reply. It was a warning. It is a hostile environment, he replied. Of course, he did so with grace and acknowledged my own experience and was endlessly careful not unnecessarily to offend, but he was honest, not just kind, but kind and honest. For a 30-year-old black man with a beard and horn-rimmed glasses, Hamilton could be pretty hostile territory. I knew that, sort of, but I knew it well when he said so. As our portly officer retreated, Josiah came to mind. What would have happened had he been the driver and not me? Maybe the outcome would have been the same. I know that evening the policeman would have fully noticed my own Massachusetts license plate, and on a weekend when the Red Sox beat the Yankees four straight games at Fenway, things Boston were not popular there in the heart of New York. But the officer forgave the Boston license, even though a ticket for an out-of-towner is low-hanging fruit. Maybe he would have been equally gracious with Josiah. However, only 20 miles north from Hamilton some years ago, our son, then with shoulder-length hair and a tank top, was pulled over before the policeman saw my wife sitting next to her son. She had been slumped in the seat, sleeping. Surprised, the officer made some comment and moved on. He had wanted to ticket a hippie, perhaps, but then Mom reared her head, and he moved on. On August 4th, I was given a needed, just, and kindly warning. Be careful when you go through that intersection again. I took it to heart. We had a fine summer dinner, and I drove home later at four miles an hour. Warnings matter in the little and in the large. They are gifts often kindly shared, like the portly officer's warning gift to me, like Josiah's warning gift to me. Be careful says such a gift. Stop when the sign says stop. Stop. Look. Look around you at what another person in the same little town but with different aspect might experience. Look. Listen. Listen for what the warnings are and what they may mean. Warnings are good things. Jonathan Haidt has read ethnographies, traveled the world, and surveyed tens of thousands of people online. He and his colleagues have compiled a catalog of six fundamental ideas that commonly undergird moral systems, care, fairness, liberty, loyalty, authority, and sanctity. Alongside these principles, he has found related themes that carry moral weight divinity, community, hierarchy, tradition, sin, and degradation. How well can we honestly ever see ourselves as others see us? All of us can learn from hate and his warnings to some measure. He is warning us, like the portly officer warned me, and like the Colgate professor warned me, and now, like this sermon, we hope with humility and love is trying to warn you. There are at least two words of warning available to us with the lights of John 18.33 flashing behind us for a moment this morning. And they are both for all of us. 
One, though, may be a little bit more for those on the right, and the other a little bit more for those on the left. And as the Apostle Paul would put it, on this, I have no word of the Lord, but I give my view, as 1 Corinthians 7.25. For those more on the right, you may be a 48-year-old mother living in southern New Hampshire or a 60-year-old plumber living in northern Connecticut. A couple of years ago, and, a, and again a couple of weeks ago, driving into town, so, so to speak, and passing Andy McGonis's farm, so to speak, you slowed down to do your civic duty and to enter an election season. You obeyed the speed limit, you thought about your choice, and you acted, chose, and voted. You came to a confusing intersection, and maybe, just maybe, you let a rolling stop substitute for a full stop. Maybe what you thought you meant by that action choice vote was, you see in hindsight, not what it means. What you meant is not what it means. What it means is what it does to others. So you see in the rearview mirror, you see in conversation with a portly officer dressed up in a Sunday sermon, a country now thrust into a time of humiliation, mendacity, racial divides, diminution of women, fear of immigrants, neglect of the environment, support for the wealthy, disregard for the poor, a time of Charlottesville, Helsinki, and children taken from their mother's arms. So, now, up comes a sermon in uniform and asks, do you know why we are having this conversation? Well, we all have our moments when we slide through a stop sign. Here is good news. We can learn from our past and we can benefit from warnings. For those more on the left, you may be a 50-year-old college professor living in the Boston suburbs or a 22-year-old musician making ends meet in the East End. It may be this morning there is warning in the morning for you. Slow down. Slow down. The laws are meant for all of us. We are a country of laws and not of men, as my college classmate Kiki Kleindienst's dad, Richard Kleindienst, said to us in the spring of 1975, just before he went off to prison, one of the last convicted in the Watergate affair. The laws, including the traffic laws, the laws, including stop signs and yield signs, the laws from sea to shining sea and from border to border are for all of us. You will not turn a 330 million person ship around in one fell swoop. It will take a decade or more, and that is if we really work at it. And it will take a just regard for just law liberty, and justice for all. So there are not shortcuts. And up comes a sermon in uniform and asks, do you know why we're having this conversation? Well, we all make mistakes and have our moments when we slide through a stop sign. Here is good news. We can learn from our past and we can benefit from warnings. When was the last time you were interviewed by legal authorities? When were you asked to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Here, John 18.33, in his last hours, Jesus is interviewed by Pilate. Such a strange gospel passage, wherein the one interviewed becomes the questioner, wherein the one accused levies accusation, wherein the one intending to interrogate is himself interrogated, 
wherein not power, but truth has the last word. The Holy Scripture, the strange world of the Bible, is holy because it is healthy and we need its nourishment, its strange teaching, far more than any other watery diet of merely spiritual meditation. Jesus said, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Amen. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and mind to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and a posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Let us now pray for the church and for the world. I invite the congregation to respond to Lord in your mercy with hear our prayer. Grant almighty God healing in a fractured world so that all may live in your love, that we may receive wholeness and unity as children of God. Lord in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort all who are sick, ailing, and struggling with their health. Grant them peace, hope, encourage in their healing, and bless those who are doing the difficult work of caring for a loved one who is sick. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant safety for all that are affected by the wildfires in California, those recovering from flooding in India, and all others facing threats and hardships from natural disasters and extreme weather around the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let all who are facing violence on the border be free from such violence and guide us towards love and hospitality in face of hatred, allowing us to recognize the image of God in each other. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Allow us to love our neighbors more fully, honoring our connections with you, Lord, and with each other. Make us aware that we are called to one love one another as Christ loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. We welcome you again to Marsh Chapel on this Christ the King Sunday. Thank you for joining us as a part of our community of worship today, whether you are here in the sanctuary listening on the radio or live stream on the internet or later via the podcast. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. We are back from Thanksgiving break and accordingly our regular weekly fellowship opportunities will be offered starting tomorrow with Monday meditation at 12.15 p.m. For all possible opportunities to come together in community here at Marsh Chapel, please consult the schedule found at the, inside the last page of the bulletin or on the Marsh Chapel website. Next Sunday kicks off the new church calendar year as we enter into the season of Advent. Please join us at 11 a.m. next Sunday for a service of Holy Communion and to begin our preparations for the celebration of the birth of Christ. The beginning of Advent also means the return of our seasonal devotional series offered through Marsh Chapel. This year, our Advent devotional series focuses on the theme of living with hope, specifically viewed through the texts of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible. Members of the Marsh Chapel staff and community contribute reflections and opportunities to learn or do more based on the theme of hope each day of Advent through Christmas Day. To receive the daily email devotional series, please sign up on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel. For those of you who were previously signed up for the devotions, you are already on the list and should have received an email on November 15th. If you have any questions, please email me, Jessica Chica, at jchika at bu.edu. On Sunday, December 9th, following our annual Lessons and Carols service, Dean Hill and Jan cordially invite you to attend the chapel's holiday open house at the BU Castle following the service. Please join us for food and fellowship as we celebrate during the holiday season. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity of, for online giving. Those interested in year-end giving may consider ongoing support for the endowment of the deanship of Marsh Chapel. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for our offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
for the life within us, for the work before us, for your love that surrounds us. We give you thanks, O God. Now bless these gifts and the givers, we pray, for the ministry of this place and throughout the world. Amen. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 